0: Welcome, writers, readers, and friends to the Authors Talking Bookish podcast. I'm Donna Norman Carbone, author of All That Is Sacred.
1: And I'm Hope Gibbs, author of Where the Grass Grows Blue.
0: We're two debut writers traditionally published by a small publishing house, bringing to you all the experiences that we as authors learn the hard way, so you don't have to. We'll
1: give you insights from the inception of a book idea to publication and beyond. And along the way, we'll share our love
0: of books from the writer's perspective. Hi friends, welcome to episode 13 Um, and happy new year. We haven't seen you in a while, so it's nice to be back. Um, We're gonna be talking today about a 2023 recap of top industry stories. So we're going to look backwards and forwards as well. Um, I'm Donna Carbone, and I am joined by Hope Gibbs. Hi, Hope. Hey, Donna. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm
1: doing great. I'm just getting used to 2024, getting kids off to college, having a little bit more alone time. Yeah, um, yeah it's been a it's been a fun year already. How about you? What's What's 2024 been like for you?
0: Well, I've been adjusting to getting back to school. Um, so I've been back for a week, had a week off and it wasn't nearly long enough. Um, but yeah, I, you know, one thing I did want to share in December, I, um, my book won an award, a literary global women's fiction award, which led to a magazine article that's coming out next week in the red silk carpet magazine. So I was super excited about that.
1: Congratulations. You have won so many awards for your book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, um, I, a friend of ours says she throws spaghetti at the wall to see what's going to stick. So I submitted my book for several awards and have been very pleased as have you, you've gotten a lot of awards too. Uh, right
1: now I've got about, I think eight awards. They're all romance. So, yeah. uh, so I really didn't realize I'd written contemporary romance, but hey, I love <laughs> it. So, and speaking of awards, you and I, at the end of two thousand twenty-three, we finally got to meet after yes, two years did. of friendship, year, you know, mm-hmm. a year and a half of working together. And so, why don't you tell everybody why we got to meet?
0: Sure. Um, well, we both won BookFest awards. There we are. We're in Times Square. And um, the Book Fest featured um, our books along with other award-winning books on the billboards in Times Square, New York. So um, when we got the email, I called Hope and I said, do you think you can come to New York? And she did. So it was wonderful. We had a great day.
1: Yeah, they only gave us a week notice because we knew it was going to happen. We just didn't know when. And I was... Oddly enough, in California with my husband, uh, he was playing at Pebble Beach on that mm-hmm. course. I was with him. I was walking it when I got the notification. And he was so sweet in between holes. He was like researching hotels and getting a flight because he wanted us to go up there. And we were lucky enough that we not only met in Times Square, then we walked around. It was very cold. The Southern mm-hmm. girl was not quite adapt to the New York cold.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then we all had lunch, two of your children. Uh, Mm -hmm. And our husbands, we all had lunch. And the funny thing is, our husbands got along incredibly well.
0: Yeah, they did. They have a lot of similarities, similar interests, I think. Um, It could have been very awkward because we spent the whole day together, but it wasn't. They got along fabulously. So I was very happy about that.
1: We even stopped in a bar and we had mimosas to toast for, you know, because we're also looking for a place to get warm because it was very, and I had a coat, but I just wasn't prepared for that, that Northeastern cold.
0: Well, you know, the irony is that was really the first cold um, weekend, or actually it was a weekday. Um, It was the first cold couple of days of the winter. Usually it's colder sooner, um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a December day.
1: Well, the one thing, and the last thing I'm going to say is this picture. So for those of you who do not know me, I am exactly five feet on the nose. And so I am never taller than anyone. And Donna, I think I'm taller than you.
0: Yes, you are. By a smidge.
1: By a smidge. Well, (laughs) why don't we, it was fun talking about our our meeting and we're going to meet again soon. But uh, why don't we talk about why we're here? What is our first podcast of 2024? I can't believe I'm saying that. What is our podcast about
0: today? I know it's crazy. Well, um, I subscribe to a streaming magazine called Literary Hub, and I first subscribed to it um, wearing my teacher's hat um, because I teach literature. And so there are a lot of really good articles in it that I bring to my students But um, since I've been a, a published author, it's also been very helpful. And so they came out with a story at the end of 2023, and it's entitled The Ten Biggest Literary Stories of the Year. At least 2023 is over now. And so I read it and I shared it with Hope because there were some fascinating things on there that I didn't even know. Um, Some that I did, but it really made me think about the publishing industry and some of the topics that we should be thinking about.
1: Yeah, you sent me that article. And it's a it's a very long article, but I was fascinated with it. And so we're Mm. not going to do all 10 because that would take us, you know, more than our 25 minute kind of time slot. But we're going to we're going to talk about just a couple that really stood out to us. And the very first one, Donna, what was the first one? I think it came in at number 10.
0: Yes. Came in at number 10. It was, they, what they did is they, um, presented them from 10 down to one. So the first one was the Coho craze, which I didn't even know Coho was a term, but, um, Colleen Hoover, and they call her the book talk monarch. Um, it said that her, her 2020s book sales went stratospheric. Love that word. Um, She outsold John Grisham, James Patterson, Dr. Seuss. And I was amazed, but she also outsold the Bible. That is
1: amazing. I mean, she has definitely tapped in to a market. And I know yeah. that girls my daughter's age, they, they read her like crazy. That is really their go-to author. And I think a lot of it has to do with she has found a way into TikTok. And she's also found stories that I guess resonate, especially with that demographic.
0: Yeah, I I find the same thing. My students are obsessed with mm-hmm. Colleen Hoover. When I was reading Verity um, every day, they would come in and they're like, "Miss Carbone, did you finish it? Because they couldn't wait to talk about it. Um, so yeah, she, she really made a name for herself over TikTok. Um, as a lot of authors are doing, um, there's one that I've been following recently. Her name is Brian Randall and she goes by house of Randall on Instagram. If you want to follow her, but, um, she wrote a book called the unfortunate side effects of heartbreak and magic. And I think her book hit the New York times bestseller list before it was even officially released. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she made quite a name for herself on TikTok as well. Um, so TikTok has definitely its pros. Um also has has some cons for Colleen Hoover in that um she um broke out with her store her book It Ends With Us, which mm-hmm. is a prequel, I think to It Starts With Us? No, it's, that that's, right?
1: it's, it's the opposite. It started oh, okay. out with It Ends With, it ends with Us. Um, okay. And so the controversy was that her publisher, or I'm not sure if it was her publisher or, or it was her idea, they came up with a coloring book to kind of go along with the new release, which is the prequel, because the first book was out and then she wrote a prequel to it because it was her most successful book of all of her books. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a big backlash because in that book, It deals with domestic violence. And some Mm. of her, you know, critics said that she was romanticizing domestic violence by attaching something as a coloring book to something as as heavy as that. And so within a day, it was shelved immediately. Yeah, yeah. But she did take it. I will say this she, she took it in stride. I think she was being interviewed by Jenna Bush and mm-hmm. she said, You know, I have five books on the best selling list. And she was like, I can't complain. I'm not, and, and she didn't complain about it. So, yeah. you know, I think that she did take it in stride. And I think that they tried to rectify uh, that. But she did have unexpected backlash.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of scary when, you know, when you're out in the public, you don't realize some of the things that are going to come back to you. You could be very well intentioned and um, it can burn you a little bit. But, you know, I I understand. I understand both sides. I do. She wanted to capitalize on the fact that she has such a huge audience for It Ends With Us. Um, and you know, I myself have some adult coloring books. I don't know about you, but I love to doodle and I will color in my adult coloring book every once in a while.
1: I like to doodle. I don't color, but I do, I do fancy myself as a a little cartoon artist as well. So, um, so let's go to another big story and that big story was all over the the headlines this year. And it was the amount of books being banned in public Mm -hmm. schools and libraries. And no other place were there more bans than in the state of Florida. And I believe that according to PEN America... Uh, mm-hmm. There were 3,362 cases of book bans alone in 2023. And that mm. was a 33% increase in just one year. Yeah. So Donna, I mean, obviously we both, because we're writers and, and for us, you know, we want to have that, that ability to, to write what we want and have that free speech But for you, it's even more different because you're a teacher, you're a literature teacher, and this goes to the heart of what you deal with every day. So what are your feelings on these straight up book bans?
0: Yeah, I think it's a very scary proposition because I think there are people out there who, you know, a lot of the books that were banned were LGBTQ um, and had, you know, um, diverse voices. Um, and I think there are students out there in those communities that need to read stories about themselves and, you know, they're so, um, impressionable at this age that they need to have conversations about them too. So if they're going to be banned from books, they can't really have conversations about these topics. And I think they're important for people. Um, and Patchett just came out. I don't know if you saw it uh, on TikTok. I think I saw it yesterday. Um, two of her books were just recently banned. She just got a notification in the last day days um, that two of her books were banned, one for dealing with um, teen pregnancy and putting putting the children up for adoption. And then the other one dealt with um, a terrorist. And at the end of the book, the terrorists were killed. So um, she came on and she gave a very tongue in cheek um, report about both of her books being banned. I thought, I thought she did a really good job.
1: Yeah. And Jody yeah. Bacow, she's another, uh, author that was banned. And one of her books that was banned was, uh, 19 minutes. It was about a school right. shooting.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: I started, you know, researching some titles. Are you there, God? It's me. Margaret yeah. is on the ban list. And yeah, I got to tell you, I read that. settles that- that- me. I know I read that in fourth grade with my mom and it was a great way of understanding things that were going to happen to me. And so, Mm. you know, as a parent, I, you know, I, I don't like the idea that that books are being banned because how else are, how else are my children going to learn? There's nothing better than a book that can spark a discussion with, with a mother and a child or a father and daughter, you know, mother, son, whatever it may be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Judy Bloom is no stranger to her books being banned because there's another yeah. book of hers that was banned as well. I think it yeah. was forever. I'm not a hundred percent sure of the title, but I know that was banned as well. And that was aimed at teenagers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I feel like teenagers are going through so much in their lives that they need to have that. They need to see what they're going through reflected in the reading that they're doing, and they need to have conversations about it. Yeah.
1: And then there was another controversy
0: with classics
1: getting kind of the other way around that they went back into classic stories and there were sensitivity readers. And if they deemed a word that was not appropriate for 2023, they would change it or in some cases completely rewrite passages. So how do you feel about that form? And because in a way, that's kind of censorship as, as well. What is your thought on that?
0: Yeah, I think um, there's actually a term in the article that I want to share because I'd never heard of it before. It's called boulderization. And I think it was Roald Dahl's book, um, Mm -hmm. Goosebumps, R.L. Stein, that they were actually changing whole sentences of. Yeah, I think that's a very dangerous uh, proposition to get into. And I, you know, I understand that um, there are sensitivity issues and I get that and I respect that. But why not do something like put trigger warnings at the beginning of a book or give books a rating system the way movies are rated? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Censoring stuff is very 1984 to me, you know, where they rewrite history um, yeah. because there are some things in it they don't like. And I, I think that's a dangerous proposition.
1: Yeah. From the article talking a- about that, that author, entire sentences added to the text, rhymes butchered. And real trees instead of a forest practice of removing specific words like crazy or gender specific pronouns. So it's, so yeah, I mean, as an author, I don't know, in 50 years, I would want someone going back in and completely changing, you know, what I had written. So oh, absolutely you know, not. So yeah. yeah.
0: No, I wouldn't either. Yeah. I don't know an author who would. No,
1: right. No, right. no I, I. I don't. I don't think so. So, yeah. so we've got, there's kind of a censorship on both, on both sides. So yeah. now let's go on to the next topic. And I know this is a topic that you and I've discussed quite a bit, Donna, because we right. both read this book at the same time and we both loved it. Mm-hmm. So what was this, what was the next big So story? the next
0: topic is um, the controversy about ghostwriters and Prince Harry wrote his memoir um spare last year something that hope and i read at the same time and talked quite a lot about um and you know i think as writers we um we read a little bit differently because we're studying the craft and after the book was released his ghostwriter came out and wrote an essay about writing with prince harry and it was very obvious to me anyway um the parts that were written by Prince Harry versus the parts that were written by the ghostwriter, the prose was just much more fluid and polished. Um, But the thing that I liked about Prince Harry's voice is that it really came through in the parts that I feel that he was heavy handed, you know, that he had a heavy hand in writing. So um, I don't think that he wrote the entire book, but I think he helped him away. And I think there's something to be said about writers or people who have a story to tell, but aren't trained writers hiring ghost writers. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's tough for the ghost writers because mostly they stay in the shadows. But um, there was another uh, book that came out this year. That was a little controversial and that was written by Millie Bobby Brown. And that was a fiction. Um, what do you, what do you think hope about the difference between Having a ghostwriter write fiction versus nonfiction.
1: Well, obviously, a ghostwriter is a very talented artist. I mean, because they're they're taking someone's story and they're putting it in a way that the reader can understand because mm-hmm. most celebrities are not trained writers. and so right. but they, or famous people, but they you want their stories out there because they're fascinating. right And so the the job of the ghostwriter is so important. Mm-hmm. But I do have a kind of, I think I have a little bit of an issue if it's a celebrity using a ghostwriter for a fiction book, because right. that is, that's completely different. I mean, yes, she may have had the idea, but how much did she actually write? And right. so, you know, I'm i am not going to, I'm not going to, you know, say that's a bad thing, but it does make me question.
0: Yeah. 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 I would yeah. totally agree.
1: So and then our our final big story that we want to talk about, and it was the number one for good mm-hmm. reason. It is no nothing,
0: surprise. <laughs> yeah, it is
1: nothing but A.I. It is artificial intelligence. And you you, know, you would have to have been under a rock this year not to have heard stories about artificial intelligence. And, you know, there's people that are saying this is going to be the end of you know, the writers as we know it. And then there are other people that are embracing it for different aspects in their, their writing life or their author life. What about you, Donna? What is your thought about AI?
0: Um, I, I have a lot of thoughts about AI. I,
1: <laughs> I like, well, everyone, I feel, you know, I feel I different
0: think, roles. As I a teacher, it's tough. Yeah. Because, um, students use it as a crutch, as a substitute to um, come up with thoughts that are not their own in order to get a certain grade. So I have a big, big problem with that. I do, I see the benefits of AI. I love technology. And so I love that we're advancing in technology. Um, And I see that it could be helpful. I have used it before. I know other teachers use it to put together a lesson plan Um, So I do think that there are so many opportunities. I also even, I like that AI maybe will cure cancer someday. You know, its possibilities are so great that we can't even predict right now. But I do think that we need some regulations.
1: Yeah, and I I can see that it's helpful with, you know, because people use it to help them with Instagram posts or right. uh, Facebook posts cuz it makes it very quick or they want to get ideas for hashtags you can you can go into chat gpt say what you're you're wanting to write about and it'll give you all these you know ideas for hashtags yeah. um, but i can see that it 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 can lead us into a dangerous you know down, down a dangerous road but then the right. other thing about ai is that it, i think the article said that every generation how how we evolve is that we embrace technology and that's how the the human species evolves and that's something we I think we should embrace it but I also think we need to keep our eyes completely wide open
0: yeah i totally agree i'm afraid that it might get bigger than us if yes. we don't keep our eyes wide open
1: and i think in a, in the future now i'm just speculating but i wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising to me that when authors sign contracts with mm-hmm. with uh, publishers that there will be a clause somewhere in there that's going to talk about did you write this book with the help of ai or did ai write this book because right. you know i i i could see that being a future clause and i think that that should be you know, it should be discussed. Did you write this book, or did AI write this book?
0: Right. I I actually know of someone who um, has written a couple of children books, children's books, exclusively using AI, publishing them under his own name and self-publishing them. And that is, you know, that's a tough pill to swallow for writers who work really hard and create. And go through the many, many, many steps to get their books out there. Uh, that's a hard pill for me to swallow.
1: Yeah. The other thing about AI, and this was kind of new, uh, Apple launched this back in January of 2023, and yeah. they are doing AI book narration. Now, yeah. so this is for audiobooks, and mm-hmm. um, both Don and I both had audiobook deals but a lot of books with small presses and obviously with self-publishing, you're not going to get an audio book deal. And so okay. this is a way that the, the writer, the author can get an audiobook out there. And it is, I have to say, I went on this site and it's it's going to be in our notes. I was shocked by mm. the narration. It sounded like a real person. And you can choose um, a female narrator for uh women's fiction or romance or sci-fi. So they yeah. had different variations. And so, you know, audio book market is a huge market. And so this could really be a game changer for small and independent authors. So what about you, Donna? What do you think about that?
0: I do think, I mean, I do think it's a good thing. I, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because it's really good for self-published authors It's good for indie authors who are having a difficult time getting an audiobook deal. It's tough for the narrators, though, because, you know, it's going to take their jobs away. Um,
1: So I don't know. And they were so talented because I know that your narrator loved listening to her. I adored the narrator. Yeah. Yeah, he did mine. So as an author, as a creative, I also feel guilty about that because someone... Is losing a job thanks to right. AI, but then another person is getting an opportunity that they yeah. would not have otherwise. Because audiobooks are not cheap to produce.
0: No, they're not. They're not. They're expensive to buy too.
1: And I've, we've also attached an article. Um, I think it was from Business Insider. They had a writer mm-hmm. uh, listen to five examples of audiobooks mm-hmm. and they had to decide was this AI or was this an actual narrator? And basically the reporter concluded, I got them right, but it was harder than I thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, that just tells you how good the technology is.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we could talk all day because I loved this list and we've we've also included it. Um, But we're getting ready to wrap this up. And as always, since Donna is our teacher, Donna, what's the homework for our for our listeners today?
0: Well, I think the homework is something that I learned in looking at this article and reviewing it. There were a lot of topics on here that I either wasn't aware of or didn't pay much attention to. And so I think paying attention to, you know, things that arise in our industry are really important. Mm -hmm. So, you know, keep your eyes open. um, Make sure you're reading articles about the publishing industry to kind of know where it's going and in order to know your place in it.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, Donna, if you uh, would tell us a little bit about our next uh, podcast.
0: Yeah. Our next podcast is about podcasts. Um, It's about some of our favorite podcasts. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some podcast etiquette. We'll talk about ways that you can find an interview on a podcast. And we'll also talk a little bit about the behind the scenes putting together of our own podcast. Yeah.
1: Well, Donna, I am so excited to see you again. I'm excited about our 2024 because in our next podcast, we're going to tell everyone that we're going to do something a little different in 2024. Uh, So please stay tuned to that. And until next time. Bye everybody. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Hope Gibbs. And I'm Donna Norman Carbone. It's time for you to get to work. We look forward to seeing you in two weeks with another tip from your author friends.